Good morning. Uh, this message has nothing to do with Christmas. Not yet. This is a public service announcement. Uh, more Christmas messages to come, in fact, starting next week. But uh, this one is a message that we do about, oh, I don't know, every few years. As a, as a, it's a public service announcement to our congregation. And so I hope you'll listen very, very carefully when we get to that serious part in a minute. One Sunday morning before church, a pastor noticed a young boy staring up at this large plaque that hung in the foyer of the church. And the seven-year-old was just standing there, you know, just looking at it. And so the pastor walked over to him and standing next to him and quietly said, Good morning, James. And, And the young boy responded, Good morning, pastor. And still, though, he's focused on that plaque. Finally, he asked, Pastor, what is this? He said, well, son, those are the names of the people, the men and women who died over the years in the service. And soberly, they stood together staring at it, and a little boy quietly said, almost reverently, was it the 9 o'clock service or the 1030 (laughs) service? Now, we hope nobody dies in the service today. But perhaps you are new to Maple Grove, and you may have some questions about why we do what we do and, and how we do it. Uh, if you're here for the first time and, and you found out that there are donuts available, that is a very, very new addition to our morning activity. Uh, we haven't had donuts for a good while. And uh, my cardiologist thanks you for that. Uh, he doesn't know I go there on Tuesdays a lot. But anyway, square donuts, specifically square donuts. And the tractor tires that I eat aren't really square. They're round, but they're really, really good. And Mark did not buy any of those this morning. So, <clears throat> You know, it is possible to come to a church and be involved in what's going on and, 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 uh, and have fellowship with folks and get to know people on a, on a gradual basis. And we certainly recommend that. But there's also a, an opportunity needed ever so often to bring you up to speed on what exactly is expected of someone who wants to become a member of this congregation. <clears throat> and if you're new to the church and have some questions, then uh, this hopefully will be a message that will not only be informative for some of you, but will serve as a reminder for those of us that have been around here a while. <clears throat> there once was a legend of a king who always wanted a son. Finally, the son was born. He was so excited. He loved this boy, was proud of him. But while still a young lad... The king's son fell off a horse one day while riding and was seriously injured and partially paralyzed. Now, back in the time, that was medical, medical uh, professionals weren't all that, uh, uh, they did not really know what to do with him too much. But the king's doctor examined him and he said he thought he had a bruised spine, and, but he said he probably never going to walk again. Well, according to the legend, the king was deeply disturbed about this, deeply disappointed, but he loved this son, and he hoped that he would still be able to someday be a strong king. So he ordered a sculpture made in the likeness of the man that he hoped his son would one day become. And he placed it in the center of the courtyard, and... uh, when the boy was rolled up into the courtyard in his wheelchair for the very first time, he saw it and he asked, what is the meaning of this? And the, the doctor was, was with him, told him, he said, well, that's, 
That's the image of the man that your father hopes that you will grow to become. According to the legend, he, even in that early moment, he kind of straightened himself a little bit in, in the chair. And, uh, you know, uh, he began to kind of think about this. According to the legend, every day whenever he was rolled by the, up to the statue, he would look at it and straighten himself and kind of exercise and stretch just a little bit more. And after years of therapy, committed effort, one day, this young man in his 20s was rolled into the courtyard, but then he slowly rose on strong legs and walked across to stand in front of what turned out to be a, almost a perfect likeness of himself. Now, we have all, as human beings, fallen into sin. Some point or another, we've been partially paralyzed because of our own iniquity. But God has placed in front of us the person of Jesus Christ. And if we will faithfully look to him, and as we go through life, align ourselves, straighten ourselves more and more with God's word, a little by little over time, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will grow. And one day, hopefully, people will look at us and they won't see us anymore. They'll see Jesus Christ in our demeanor, in our mindset, in our conversation, in our priorities, in every area of our life. So this morning, whether you're a longtime member in this church or you've just recently begun considering church membership or being a part of the body here, what I want to do is remind you of what is expected of you as you grow to be like Jesus as a member of this congregation. Like I said, those that are new may find this informative and interesting. And those that have been here a while, I hope that you will also evaluate your connection to these particular items, because it's important. There are three basic expectations. First, as a member of Maple Grove Christian Church, you're expected to grow more Christ-like every day. Now, contrary to what some people think, uh, pastors and church members and elders, we don't track one another down all the time to see how close are you being to Jesus Christ. You know, we, we don't have the, the time to do that with some of the things we're doing here. But it is important at some point, those of you who profess to believe in Jesus and were baptized in Christ Jesus, you know, then you gave truth to the great command, the great commission. And you said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior. Many of you here, many of you may be watching from home, have already done this. If you're already a baptized believer, then you reaffirm that belief. When uh, you talk to me or me or, or Nick or one of the elders, or, and you, you, you made a commitment to joining our congregation, having maybe come from a congregation that, that believe these things I'm going to be talking about. And that's a big deal. Now, there's a lot of room in our church for a variety of opinions. We don't all believe the same things, for example, about political issues. We don't always believe the same things about sports teams. Like Jerry Cravens likes West Virginia. I've never understood that. But he looks at me and he knows I like Kentucky. And he didn't even try to understand that. And you've all, you know what I'm talking about. We've got a lot of differences here. We may, all, we may not all have 
uh, the same opinions about some of the secondary type of doctrines in the Bible, like, like eternal security, maybe, or speaking in tongues or something. And while we believe the gospel, which is the good news of our salvation, it, we leave a lot of room for opinions where the Bible has difficult passages to interpret. Now, let me tell you, historically, our congregation as a church is a part of a denomination. It's really not a denomination, but it's part of a group of, of independent Christians. It goes all the way back into, uh, back when, well, Jerry, you were a child back in the 1800s. And uh, you knew that was coming, brother. You missed church last week, didn't you? I was sick. Uh, but I saw you on TV. Well, if I'd known that, I'd only said one thing about you, but since it's, you know. Uh, you can also tell we have a lot of fun here, too. And, uh, and when I, I, I forget, my wife says, don't be aggravating Jerry all the time. And I said, but he loves the attention, you know, and I, I get in trouble regularly. And because uh, people think he's really, really old. He's really not that old. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's got a lot of mileage, but he's. <laughs> all right, we digress. OK, let's come back together. Real serious sermon here. Let's get back on track. Um. But way back in the 1800s, when uh, the independent church movement group got together, uh, actually a couple of pastors came over here from overseas, I think Scotland, and uh, they started teaching, uh, and they came up with this slogan, and this is what they were going to go by as they started the church. You know, Jesus, of course, was right in the center of everything. But here's what they came up with. They said, in doctrine, we have unity. In matters of opinion, we have liberty. But in all things, we have love. Now, we still adhere to that. We don't advertise it, talk about it a lot. It's not a slogan on our wall someplace. But that is the spirit of which this church was founded. That's our ancestry, so to speak. And then nine essentials that are foundational to that type of evangelical church is what I want to talk to you about today, briefly. These are the doctrinal teachings that are not up for grabs. If you're a member of an independent Christian church, uh, these are, are foundational. That's why we call them that. And uh, you're going to hear them preach from the pulpit. You're going to hear them taught in classes and small groups. And uh, if, if you hear these and you don't believe these things necessarily, then uh, Maple Grove probably is not for you. Isn't that blunt? You know, I don't make a very good salesman, do I? But, but it, is, it is important. We're dealing with something that the world doesn't care much about anymore. You know, truth. Not just from perspective and opinion, but historical. Looking back over the, to the time that Jesus was on this earth, what he said, what he talked about, what he called upon his children to, pay, to obey and listen to. And so these nine essentials are important. I want to give them to you. Number one, we believe in the infallibility of the scripture. We believe the Bible's true. We believe the Bible was inspired by God and the original manuscripts of which, by the way, we still have access to abundant copies of manuscripts. I've been to Israel twice. I've got a chance to go right in there and see these things called the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's, it's incredible. And we believe that, that, they're, that the Bible's completely accurate in those documents. Number two, we believe in the historical creation of humanity. We don't believe that you and I are here by lightning bolts striking pond scum in some primordial event. We don't believe that that is true. Not some freak accident billions of years ago. We believe that we are here 
because of a divine creator. Every one of us is made in his image in a sense, not physically. But we have a mind, we have a soul, we have, and especially we have a spirit. And it's that spirit that we have given to us that, that bears witness. And Christ's spirit bears witness to our spirit that we're on the right track. That what we're doing and how we're doing it is God honoring. Third, we believe in the sinful nature of man, of human beings. While we know we were created in the image of God, we, we, we know that, and we know we're capable of doing some good things. But we also know that we've been stamped with the sin of Adam. We bear the mark. You know, Adam sinned, and he's our ancestor. And so since that time, we've all sinned. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you and I have a built-in predisposition to get into trouble this way. We don't like to think about it, but we do. Number four, we believe in the absolute deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not just the human founder of some great religion and whatever. No, Jesus was and is the Son of God. Number five, we believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We believe that he was conceived miraculously, and as a result of that, he did not inherit a sin nature like all the other humans have done. He was fully human, but he was also fully divine. We believe in the atoning death of Christ, number six. Jesus was not some religious martyr when he died. He willingly died a substitutionary death. You just had this shared with you in the communion meditation. Isaiah 53, 6 says, God laid on him all our sin and iniquity. He died in our place. It was a substitutionary death, and he did it willingly. Number seven, we believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He proved his divine nature by conquering this relentless and final enemy of death. When I leave church here today, I'm going to a, a meeting with a group of people. It's a, it's a fraternal group here in town, but every year they have a special day set aside the first Sunday in December. And they have kind of a funeral service for all the members of this group, this fraternal group, that have died in the past year. And it's been my privilege for going on 20 years now is uh, I've been asked to, to do this. And, and I was thinking this morning upstairs, you know, after 20 years, you know, I, I only see them once a year. And uh, it makes me wonder, have I already said this before? <laughs> you ever be in a conversation like that? I said, have we done this before? Have we, you know, yeah, but they're so sweet and, uh, and uh, they've been so encouraging. And I guess they think I don't have anything else to do. And, and, uh, and we have had this interesting relationship. But as a result also of that, uh, there are some folks that have come to our church over time through that particular group. But, you know, this issue of this, you know, death thing, Jesus came bodily out of that tomb. He was seen alive by numerous eyewitnesses. He proved his divine nature, and we believe that. That's why we have hope that others may not. We believe in the literal return of Christ to the earth. Jesus promised that one day he'd come back and would receive us to himself. 
And we believe that. We're anticipating that. We, we look ahead to that one day. And we believe, number nine, in the resurrection and assignment of all people to either heaven or hell. Hell's a place of punishment, a place of torment in a sense, prepared specifically for Satan and all his minions. And all who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Heaven, on the other hand, is an eternal place of, of, of a reward and blessing promised by Jesus to his followers. Now, these are the, the nine essential beliefs that you would find in any independent New Testament Christian church. Now, to receive this eternal life that Christ offers is to put our whole soul trust in his work on the cross and not on any good works or anything we think that we might have done, worthy things, and we, we, we lay those aside and we express our faith. We try to repent of our sins. We confess him unashamedly. We're baptized into him. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, what I'm sharing with you is this is Christianity 101. And these beliefs have been foundational since the very, very beginning of the church. And you can go back, you know, the Apostle Paul and Augustine, or in Kentucky we call him Augustine, uh, Martin Luther, C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, among many, many others. They've all taught these things. These are not extreme ideas or beliefs. However, in our world today, and has been for a while, these are becoming increasingly more unpopular in our culture. You know, where everything is to be tolerated. Many people believe that there's no such thing as moral absolutes, and I could go on and on and on about that. So, if along the way, if along the way, you begin to kind of buy into the liberal philosophy of this world, that God is whoever you imagine him to be or however you imagine him to be, and that Jesus was just one of the great prophets of the past or that the Bible is full of errors, and, and then, then you need to be honest as well. And, uh, you know, Maple Grove Church may not be for you. Isn't that blunt? Didn't I tell you I'm a terrible salesman? But what I think we really do need to do is to, to speak the truth from you know, our church has a long history. This church has been around a long time. And the foundations that were laid for us, Christ laid them first. And then the foundations that were part of Maple Grove's history and its location over here where it used to be in, back in the 1800s. You, we are still resting on that foundation. And many, many believers have come through uh, those the, the church building there, and we've been blessed to have a lot of folks be baptized here over the course of time. Yeah, but it's a big deal. We encourage you. We are you're welcome to attend. We encourage you to do that. You can listen and interact. That's great. But if you ever reach a point where you don't believe those things, then it would integrity would would say that you would probably need to withdraw. But. If you identify with this church, you're connecting with a group of people who believe in these elementary truths of the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then, brothers, you stand firm and do what? You hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope 
may we encourage, may that encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Now that brings us to the second thing. You're not only expected to believe in Christ, but you're also expected to behave as a Christian. If you caught that last verse there, the Apostle Paul saying, you and I are expected to be strengthened through every good deed and word. Now, that doesn't mean perfection. We'd all be in a mess if that's what it was going to be. You're not expected to be faultless to be a member of this church. You know, babies spill food on themselves. Toddlers fall down. Teenagers have mood swings. And it's very important to understand that these are, there are people in every church who are at different levels and positions and growth and maturity. There's some baby, baby Christians around here. They'll be looking around at any of them. And they never cry in the service. But um, they're kind of getting started and they've stumbled and they, they fall a lot. There may be some teenage Christians here that, that uh, they got emotional ups and downs, you know. They, they got a lot of things that they're still working on. And there are some mature believers here where the, of whom the Bible says you need to run and not grow weary. But sometimes we fall down as well. That's why we have a sign over the door. I, I know it's over that one. I can't remember if it's over this one or not. Maybe it's over both. It's over both of them because Gilbert made them both for me. Okay. So he said actually his grandson did one of them. But anyway, we believe in truth and advertise. <laughs> but anyway, what does this say? If you look at it, no perfect people found here. No perfect people need to come here because this is not a place for them. You know, none of us are perfect. And, the, and if you're a perfect person, you come in here, you're going to feel so lonely. You know, and, uh, and, and, and so we encourage you to go find another place that may actually be perfect, but that's not us. This is why we need to encourage each other uh, when we do stumble, when we do fall. Uh, we don't get it right all the time. And when that happens, especially to new believers, we shouldn't think of, uh, to attack them or anything and say, wait a minute, you aren't really a Christian or, or you wouldn't have done it. You, you, don't, you don't hear that. You, you shouldn't hear that here. If you do, let me know. Rather, what we should say, yes, you messed up. But you know what? Scripture says it's a neat idea. And God came up with it. If you will repent of your sin and confess it, God is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you know what? This is like a do-over. And you know what? That's what you get. You know what? We get them all the time. I get them all the time. You know, God is so loving. And he wants us to make progress. But we're not always going to get it right. And rather than sit here in our church and claim, well, I'm holier than thee and thou, whatever, nobody does that here. You know, our church, we're a lot of fun together, but we're all honest and truthful. And we know that we need to work hard on some areas of our life. You know as you're sitting here, as I'm talking, there's some places where God wants you to be up here and you're still down here someplace. And that's okay. You know, by doing what he said, you know, gradually, you'll, you'll find that, that, that balance in your Christian life. We don't expect you to be perfect. In fact... There's a disgusting word for someone who makes no attempt to live by what he or she professes. You know what that word is? It's called hypocrite. Have you ever heard that word? A hypocrite's not somebody who stumbles and falls. A hypocrite is someone who stumbles and falls intentionally, consistently, and without a single scrap of remorse. 
In his farewell message to some believers, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, that our goal should be to aim for perfection. Aim for perfection. That's what we're shooting at. But we're not, this side of the grave, we're not going to see that. And if you're okay with that, then you'll fit in real good with us. You know, because we, you know, we really, we, we, we strive. But we recognize that it's, a, it's tough. In a fallen world with the mess that's going on all around us, it's hard to be faithful in our thinking. And, and, and it's hard to be trusting in our mindset. It's hard to, to reconcile these things. And we want to cry, Lord, why don't you fix this? Why don't you fix And one day he will. But for now, our goal is to represent Jesus as best we can, represent this church wherever we go, and represent him well. We believe we should be on track to maturity in, in a number of ways. Our speech should be free from vulgarity and profanity. There should be a purity about our conversations. Our lives should be morally clean. That is not even a hint of sexual immorality. We want to grow to be people of integrity. That our yes is yes and our no is no. We tell the truth. You know, we work hard to do that. As a, as a leader in the church and our eldership, you know, we want you as a family, we want to, you want to model family life. We are committed to our mates and love and discipline our kids. We want you to grow to be compassionate people. We want you to grow in self-discipline. We want you to grow as citizens here in Bloomington and be good neighbors in every community that are represented here. We want you to respect the authorities and the law, honor the law. Don't always agree with things. But that's not what we've been asked to do. We've been asked to obey the authorities unless they're asking you to do something that's sinful. We want you to pay your taxes and to vote when the time comes to vote. We want you to grow in the spirit of joy. You know, joy is different from just being happy. Happy has to do with your circumstances. And some of you have come here today, I know your circumstances are not happy. You know, but yet... We're called to something higher than that thing called happiness. We're called to be joyful. You see, happiness involves what's going on around us. Joy is something God gives us in here. It's totally different. And you can be joyful even when you're really miserable in other ways. It's a powerful paradox. Mm. Wow. Now, I, I, we want you to take seriously... Jesus Christ and take yourself a lot less seriously. We want you to grow. We want you to be a part of a church of laughter and joy. So you're expected to believe in Jesus. We expect all of us to, you know, to not only believe but to behave as a Christian. And then number three, and this might be the hardest for some of you, we expect you to be involved in the church. This is not just a, an hour a week thing that goes on here. There's, the church is open all week and a lot, of, a lot of activities and things happening. But Jesus Christ loved the church. He sacrificed himself for her. And we're not a rigid church with lots of rules and regulations, but what we do ask you on your own to commit three hours of your week to be in the Lord's house or at least connected to the church. Here they are. I'll break it down this way. One hour each week in worship. You know, if you're planning on making this a New Year's resolution, though it's not time for that yet, 
you've already got that one out of the way. You're already here. You know, I've been here for, not, in fact, this is not even going to be an hour today. Now, either you'll feel shortchanged or you'll feel blessed. I don't know. But um, we really want you to spend an hour in worship and be here. And, you know, don't be content to just come when the weather's nice and everything's great and there's no ball games on you want to watch or whatever, no place to go. You know, just like you commit to go to work or you go to classes and whatever, we want you to commit to be in the Lord's house regularly every week. Then we want you to give an hour a week in a church-sponsored Bible study or small group. Now, I've got to be honest with you. This COVID-19 thing has really wrecked the schedule of our church. Um, and we're still trying to get sorted through it, and we're being patient. But we hope, first of the year, uh, to introduce uh, several opportunities for you. Uh, there's a study I'd like to uh, take you through, and, and I'm not leading it, but I'm, it's, it's on DVD, but a study about heaven. I, don't, I think we need to start thinking about heaven a little bit. You know, not just because, you know, like Jerry, we're getting old, you know, right? I know you think about heaven when your mind is clear. I know that. But, but not just that. I mean, I mean, we don't talk about heaven enough. We don't. And, and this study is really, really, it's only six weeks. And we're going to try to have that here like a midweek service after the first of the year. Uh, we need to get our small groups relaunched. We had a number of them. And then... During COVID, we've all just kind of lost our momentum. And I would like to see us regain that, or at least build upon with, with a new resolve that we will not sacrifice our time together with other Christians. I guess that's what I want to say. Because COVID-19 has separated us and, and made us uncomfortable and regarded and, and with good, I mean, <laughs> for good reason. You know, it's a serious thing. We've got folks in our church right now that are wrestling with this whole issue. And we're praying that they don't become yet another victim or two. We've had too many funerals around this place in the last year. Heartbreaking. But that's our circumstance. And while Satan loves to keep us fragmented and separated, you know, God's not that way. So we want you to, to you know, just as a good soldier needs to, to know his weapon so well that he can oh, take it apart, put it back together again without even looking. We need to know Scripture that, that well so that we will be able to give an answer to those who ask us for the hope that we have and to do so with, with, with you know, in a, a manner that's it's receptive to others. People need to know we love and care about them. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, Hear this, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, how are you going to be that kind of person if we don't have help to help you do that? And we want to see what we can do. And you bear with us, but uh, come first of the year, you'll see some new announcements in the newsletter. We'll be talking about them. And uh, we're going to kind of start easy and slow. But uh, we want to try to get back on the swing of our midweek activities. And then we want you to spend at least, and this is the tough one, frankly, from my perspective. It's an hour of week, a week in some kind of service. Now, the Bible urges us to serve one another. And we should be asking God and praying and asking to help, to, to help us know how to talk to other believers and to, to kind of find out what 
gifts you might have and what area that you could serve. And because this church has always been willing, I think, to help out. But I think there's been times when we felt inadequate to do certain things. And, and when, when, if you're a young couple, it's really tempting. We know you come here and we have this awesome, awesome children's program. And we're looking forward to some amazing things to do that with that in the future. Uh, there's a need for daycare in this area. And the elders are exploring this with Andrea as to what, what's possible for something in our neighborhood to start with. And uh, uh, so we're looking at some cool things. But bottom line is it's hard to get volunteers when it comes to the children. Minister in a great big church, he showed up one Sunday to preach. And he had a baby in each arm. And he had to try to hold his Bible. Actually, his grandchildren. But he was, had, this, had these babies up there. You're talking about a church, 8,000 people or so. He comes out there carrying these babies. And he's trying to navigate his notes. And, of course, the babies are babies. They're looking around, you know. And, you know. and finally, he looked up and he said, we could really use some help in the children's department today. <laughs> and, uh, of course, everybody laughed, you know. And then uh, his uh, daughters-in-law came in and grabbed the babies and took off, you know. But... I thought that's an interesting point. <laughs> you know, uh, it is sometimes hard to, to work in the same area of ministry that we benefit so much from it for when we're in church. You know. But we ask you to really consider that. And it's not only that area. The Bible urges us to serve one another, and so we need folks to greet at the door. Some of you have done that this morning. You're welcome. We've had one couple that's done it for a long time here the last several months, faithfully each week. Uh, we need people to help take care of this lovely piece of property. It's got, well, it used to be lovely out there, but it's all tore up now. But someday it'll be lovely again. And but we need people to help mow and to cover that. We've got a few, but it seems like it falls on just the few to do that. We need you to, to help prepare, prepare and deliver meals to ministries like Saul to Paul. Uh, one that we faithfully support helping uh, men grow in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to help... Uh, delivering our saturate, saturate USA hangers in a neighborhood. We still need help to do that, right? And that young lady right over there is nodding her head. She's, she's the go-to person. And she will set you up and help you uh, do that. Very, very important ministry. Uh, we need help to be a youth sponsor. You know, the greatest influences I had on my life as a Christian was um, the uh, youth group initially. And... Um, and we had a youth guy that just uh, was amazing. But you know who all of our youth sponsors were? Our youth sponsors were grandparents. Grandparents. And I still to this day remember lessons I learned from these, these wise and sage Christian men and women who came out on Sunday night just to be with the youth group and love on them and encourage them and pray for them. And, you know, and they could have been home watching TV or taking Geritol, whatever they want to do. You know? <laughs> Or whatever they need to do. But, but I'll never forget that. That our youth sponsors were grandparents. And I thought, what a neat thing to learn. And, and I'm so, so uh, indebted to some of them. I could give you their names right now. Those, those are the kind of things that we're talking about. Uh, visiting shut-ins. Uh, uh, and I, I would pray and, and ask you to pray that, that God would lead you to a place of service here in the church. And you know, let me tell you something. When you do this... There's this awesome byproduct, you know, is that you get to meet other believers. You get to know more people in the church than you do as you just come in here and sit and then get up and go. 
You know, so there, there's a lot of a lot of benefits here. Ephesians four twelve says tells us that God gave gifts to church leaders in order to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be lived in relationship to other brothers and sisters in the faith. And as you serve and you be served, then you discover the best of both worlds. And that's kind of our goal as members of the church. And I hope that it will make it your goal as well. Father, thank you so much. You've given us so much, Lord, here in this church. And and I'm so grateful that we only talk about stuff like this ever so often. Because you've given us a church that is interested in being active and and helping and making a big difference in the lives of others. So, Father, as we go through this next month, it's going to be crazy with Christmas and all the events and different things. Help us begin to think about our new approach to all this beginning the first of the year. And I pray in between now and then that you will convict us, but also affirm us. That you will help us see the need that we've been talking about today. And that you will just bless our socks off. You already do most of the time, Lord. You're right there and everything's awesome. But we need others in our church to step up as well. And I pray that you would encourage them in their Christian walk. And I ask this in Jesus' name.